I just want to say that I'm so happy the kids are in the room. See, I love kids. Don't you love kids? You're part of our family. I want you to know this morning that we welcome you, that we're really pleased you're with us today. And I've been a teacher a long time, so I just want you to know that if there's noises or anything, it's not going to bother me. So don't let it bother you, okay? We're all good. We're family. Have you ever played this little game? He loves me. He loves me not. He loves me. He loves me not. Maybe it's she loves me. She loves me not. You know, it's pretty depressing when you get all the way around to the end of the flower and the, the result is they don't love me. It's actually kind of a depressing game. But we've all played it. And maybe some of you kids, you know, you found yourself in the playground at school playing that little game. How do you feel when you know that you're loved? How do you feel when you're not sure if you're loved? Well, today we're going to be talking about the spiritual practice of worship. And I would suggest to you that when you are sure and confident that God loves you, then you are free to practice worship. If you are uncertain of his love for you, then the practice of worship is a difficult and a painful place. You see, the disciplines allow us to place ourselves before God so that he can actually transform us. He changes us at the core of who we are, and and it changes our relationship with God when we practice these spiritual disciplines that we've been teaching you on. The key verse that we've been talking about all summer is this, Matthew chapter 11, verses 28. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, my burden, it's light. You see, Jesus promises rest. He promises rest for the deepest part of us, but it requires a yoke. Pastor John reminded us already that the implication here is that you will be yoked to someone or something, right? Maybe you're yoked to disappointments in your past, lost dreams, maybe sin itself. Maybe you're yoked to success or to relationships, to even religion. What are you yoked to? Your career, your family, your hobbies, your friendships? What are you yoked to? What are you, where do you spend most of your time, most of your energy, most of your thoughts? You see, it's a lie that we are independent. We will serve someone or something, and today I want to suggest to you that you will worship someone or something. Here's two definitions of worship that you might find helpful. Worship is everything we think, everything we say, and everything we do, revealing that which we treasure and value most in life. What we worship actually reveals what's in our heart and what we treasure. I love this definition. Worship is the opening of our heart to his love. Kids, did you hear that? Worship is when you open up your heart to the love of God, when you surrender your will to his purposes. And all of this gathered up in this great word, ready? Adoration. Adoration. 
the most selfless emotion of which our nature is capable, and therefore the chief remedy for that self-centeredness, which is our original sin. Do you hear that? You see, worship is not just about singing songs on Sunday. It is the opening of our heart to God's love, to surrender our whole selves, our whole life, no matter what your age, even little to as old as you can become on this earth, at any age of your life, we can worship God when we open up our hearts and our life to him, when we surrender ourselves. When you surrender yourselves, you see, you submit even the thoughts that you think. You surrender the things that you do, the way you speak, the way you act. You surrender them to his purposes. And why? Because we adore him. Because of adoration. You see, worship takes care of our self-centeredness. Now, kids, sometimes parents say that you're a little self-centered. Do they ever tell you that? You know, thinking about me, me, me. Well, you know what? They're probably right, so you probably should listen to them. But mom and dad, have you got over your self-centeredness yet? Oh, well, there you go. You see, it's a problem right from the beginning of time. And you see, if you want to get rid of, if you want to deal with your self-centeredness, you need to practice worship. See, the practice of worship allows us to place ourselves before God so that he can change us. Pastor Dave said that the motivation of simplicity is love. Our love for Jesus and his love for us. Well, in the same way, the motivation of worship is love. You see, but there are some, there's, I would think, one serious obstacle, one hindrance, one major problem that gets in our way of practicing worship. And because I'm going to speak shorter this morning, some of you are thankful, but for the sake of the kids, we're going to shorten it up. I'm going to teach one main thing this morning. So I want you to just listen long enough to get this, because this can transform literally your practice of worship. The one main obstacle, the one thing that can hinder your ability to worship God is not truly knowing how much he loves you. You see, he loves me, he loves me not, is a game we actually play with God. Now, you might say, well, I know that God loves me. I mean, I've heard that in Sunday school. Kids, how many of you have heard that in Sunday school, that Jesus loves you? I hope your Sunday school teachers are teaching you that. It's really important. But kids, adults, do you really know it? Do you actually really believe it? Because maybe some days you find yourself going, he loves me, he loves me not. Oh, I wasn't very kind to my friends today. I wasn't obeying my mom and dad or my teachers. I didn't do a very good job at work today. Maybe he loves me not. He loves me. Oh, you know what? I didn't show up to church twice this month. I didn't give any money in the offering, and I forgot to read my Bible yesterday. Maybe he loves me not. You see what we do? We play this game with God, and we, we sometimes ask the question, how does Jesus feel about me today? On any given day, do you love me today, Lord? Am I doing enough to please you? Can I win your approval? Have I let you down today? Will you still love me? You see, sometimes we think if we keep doing good things for God, he'll love us more. 
You know, sometimes we think if we failed in our life and we, we, we've literally got trapped up in sin and we find ourselves back in that rotten place again that surely he loves us less. You see, when we live with uncertainty in our hearts about God's love for us, it brings fear. You see, when you're uncertain in any relationship, it brings fear, doesn't it? When we disciple new believers in our church, we encourage them to go through what we call foundations. And the first lesson in foundations talks about having confidence, the confidence that God's love is unconditional for you and that he is never going to leave you. It's one of the first things as a new believer that we want you to understand. Because when you are uncertain in any relationship, think about a friendship. Boys and girls, maybe you've had a friendship where that person, some days they're nice to you and some days they're not. How do you feel? Uncertain, don't you? You don't know whether to trust that friend very much. How about mom and dad in in even a marriage? If some days you feel accepted and some days you don't, what does that bring into a marriage? Uncertainty and fear. What are we afraid of? Well, Pastor John talked last week that, that fear comes out of our awareness that actually we're not innocent, we're, we're not perfect, that we've been exposed and that actually God knows everything about us. So what do we do? We hide from him. We don't want to trust him. We put our trust in ourselves, in our stuff, in our relationships, in our religion. You know, these are all ways of hiding from God. We trust our fear more than his love. Did you hear what I said? We actually trust our fear more than we trust his love. You see, the certainty of knowing his unrelenting, his unconditional, his never-ending love for you, in your weakness, in your failure, that will lead you to a place of worship. You see, worship comes when you know that you are deeply loved. Some of us know what it's like to experience and expect a baby. Some of you are carrying a child now, expecting their day of birth. Some of you have sat and watched the ultrasound on the screen. I'll never forget when my kids were born. Now, it was, it was back over 20 years ago, so ultrasounds weren't the same. Now they get like videos, you know, moving pictures. It's pretty amazing. We just had like the snapshot. But I remember it vividly the first time that I saw... My, my baby's on the screen. And my husband and I were just so moved. I mean, we were already in love. Do you know what I mean? Like, we were already in love. That child hadn't even showed up yet. They don't even know they're alive. They've done nothing. They didn't even ask to be born. You know, and we're already in love. We just want to say, like, the mom and dad, the grandparents, all the friends that are expecting this newborn... We just want to say to that baby in the womb, do you have any idea how loved you are? Do you have any idea how loved you are before you even arrive in this earth? You are deeply loved. Do you know that that's how God feels about us? Jeremiah 1.5 says, before I formed you, I knew you. Psalm 139 says, I knit you together in your mother's womb. You were fearfully and you were wonderfully made. It goes on to say that he knows every day that was ordained for us before one of them is meant to be. It tells us that he counts every hair on our head. It tells us that his thoughts toward us are love. This is before we even are born. That 
do you know how loved you are? 1 John 3.16 says, this is how we know what love is. So if today you're sitting there, you do not feel loved, you do not know what love is, this is the one and only answer. The world will never answer this question, but God's word answers it. This is truth. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. You see, this is how we know, this is how we can actually be 100% certain, this is how we can have confidence, this is why we not need to fear at all, because Jesus Christ laid down his life for us on a cross. Jesus loves me, this I know. What's the next line? For the Bible tells me so. You see, we have a God who comes near. We have a God who comes to you. We have a God who anticipates your very birth. We have a God that lays down his life for you. No other God does this. Nothing that you put your trust in will ever do that for you. Nothing that you worship does this. John 3.16 says, say it with me, for God so loved the world that he what? He gave his one and only son. How do you find security? How do you find rest? How do you find peace and practice worship? It's in knowing that Jesus loves you. You see, insecurity leads to fear. It leads to distance Security leads you to greater trust and a life of worship. How do we know he loves us? Because of the cross. You see, the cross was not just a place to appease a God that was angry over sin. If this is your view of the cross, it's actually limited. You then continue to try to live a life appeasing God. But you see, the cross actually shows us a loving father that invites us to trust him. He sent himself. He didn't send somebody else. He actually sent himself because Jesus is God himself. He put on skin. He came down here and he, he laid his life down for us. No other God does this. Nothing you worship will ever do this for you. Nothing can actually separate you from God's love. How do we know this? Romans 8 says, for I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels or demons, neither the present nor the future nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is where? In Christ Jesus our Lord. You know, this story might be a tale or a legend. It could be true. But I'll tell you, this story reflects what happened in Jerusalem over 2,000 years ago. There was a big forest fire. And, you know, all the woods had been burned down. It was charred. And there was just blackness and charcoal and, and soot everywhere. And the smoke is coming up from the charcoal. And the firefighters are walking through the forest. And they have their big firefighter outfits on. And they have their big boots on, and they're just checking out, finding out, is the forest fire under control? Have we got it under control? They're looking for like hot spots because they don't want the fire to reignite again. 
Well, as this firefighter is walking through and crunching through the charcoal and the remains of the fire, he could see this big black lump, looked like a big black lump of coal, but he went over and he gave it a kick with his foot like this. And as he kicked that big black lump of coal, a whole flurry of activity started to move under this big lump. And it was, he discovered that it was actually the carcass of a large bird. And under, out came four little birds and they ran down through the dust and the ash and ran away down the hillside. Well, the firefighters just standing there stunned because, I mean, birds can fly. Why wouldn't he just, why would this bird just fly away, get away from the danger? The birds never have to be trapped in fire because they can fly. But this mother sacrificed herself to protect her little ones. She covered them up with her own body under her wings and she took on the raging flames herself. She could have escaped. But she didn't because she chose to protect the ones that she loved by laying down her life. You know, Matthew 23 says this, O Jerusalem, O my children, O the ones that I love, how often have I longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. And you were not willing. When you think about it, the chicks could have run away, right? Like, They didn't need to come to the mother. They didn't actually earn it. All they had to do was run when the mother gave her call. They just had to come to the mother. They had to just get under her wings. You know, salvation is really as simple as this. Jesus says, come. Come, all you who are burdened, who are weary, and I will give you rest Come under my wings of protection. I have laid down my life for you. I will take on the flames. I will give up my life for you. When he says he loves us, we have a choice. Will we come to him? Will we actually receive his love? You see, the spiritual practice of worship is not to earn God's love. You can never make God love you any more than he already does. Did you hear that? You can never make God love you more than he already does. He loves you completely. He loves you beyond your ability to love. He loves you beyond your understanding or comprehension of love. Nothing you do can improve his love. Nothing you do can remove his love. His love is deep and it's wide. It's high, and nothing can separate us from it. Nothing. Your failures, kids, when you mess up, Jesus still loves you. Mom and dad, when you mess up, Jesus still loves you. No pain, no, none of your doubts throws God's love. None of your shame, no hiddenness, no anger, no guilt. Nothing. God loves you completely now. You can't Make him love you more than he already does. He saw the ultrasound and he said, do you have any idea how much I love you? We picked up our daughter. She'd gone for six months and she went and served with an organization called YWAM, Youth with a Mission, and she spent three months in Uganda. I could hardly wait to get to the airport, of course, and pick up my baby girl. 
And uh, we were driving back from the airport, and I just said, honey, like, I know you have lots of stories and stuff to share, but if I could just ask you, what, why do you think God had you go to, to why, why did he have to, to take you to Uganda? You know, what was it about? Was there, was there even one thing, one reason why you think maybe God had you go to Uganda? I'll never forget a response. She didn't even have to think long. She just simply said from the back seat of the car, so that I would really know how much he loves me. So I would really know how much he loves me. On her bedroom wall, she has a chalk wall. Cool, eh? Kids, you'd like that, wouldn't you? Chalk wall. And she paints. She draws things on it. And what's on her chalk wall is this. The Christian life is not about obligation. It's about intimacy. You see, Jesus is not interested in all the things you can do for him. He's done everything for you. He just wants you to receive his love. He wants you to live in his love. He wants you to respond to his love. You see, it's about love. The Father says to you this morning, I love you. Put your name in there. I love you, Bill. I love you, Susie. I love you, Lori. I love you, Dave. That's what the Father says to you. Do you hear him saying it to you? Will you come and live under his wings? You see, the spiritual practice of worship is not to earn God's love or approval. It's out of our response to knowing how much he loves us and then putting our trust fully in his love. When life is hard, when we don't feel loved, when things aren't going our way, we are confident that his love is still with us. He doesn't remove it. But that is why we need to look at the cross. You see, when you understand what really happened at the cross, you will know how much you're loved. You'll, you'll find trusting him to be actually easier every day. You see, at the cross, what we see is a father, son, and spirit, our God, accomplishing something together, not simply to appease God's anger towards sin, but to actually break the bondage of sin and death and the devil himself. He, to offer you and me a way to be rescued from the bondage of sin so that God the Father, God the Son, and the Spirit could actually recapture what was stolen in Eden. You see, what was stolen in Eden was a love relationship. God was ripped off in Eden. He wanted to walk with us and talk with us and love on us and be with us. And because of man's choice to sin, it was stolen. So that we will fully love God once again and there'll be nothing between us. That is what the cross is. Do you hear it? The story of the cross says, I love you. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong, they are weak, but he is strong, yes, Jesus loves me, yes, Jesus loves me, yes, 
Jesus loves me, the Bible tells me so. 1 John 3.16, this is how we know that what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. This is real love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. The message says it this way. This is how God showed his love for us. God sent his son into the world so we might live through him. This is the kind of love we're talking about. Not that we once upon a time loved God, but that he loved us. And he sent his son as a sacrifice to clear away our sins and the damage they've done to our relationship with God. Do you hear it? Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. Jerome, I'll ask your team to come up this morning. I want to, you to consider have you, do you really, really believe, have you received God's love for you? You see, the spiritual practice of worship comes out of a heart that has received God's love and truly knows that he loves you. It's a life that says, I trust you. I trust you with everything because I'm confident of your love for me. Romans 12.1 says this, Therefore, because of this, I urge you, Brothers and sisters, boys and girls, teenagers, mom and dad, in view of God's mercy, in view of his great love for you, offer your bodies, all of yourself, your thoughts, your, the way you talk, the things that you do, the way you treat others, as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. That's what worship is. Do you see where it comes from? My will, my hands, my feet will serve you out of worship. My lips will speak and sing praises to you as an act of worship. My mind will think thoughts that please you as an act of worship. My emotions will surrender to you as an act of worship. My body will please you as an act of worship. The entertainment I choose will please you. The relationships I have, they will reflect your love for me. The way I spend my time, my money, it will demonstrate how much I love you. I will live my life in response to your great love for me. I just want to say thank you for loving me, Jesus. That is what worship is. That's where it comes from. Will you receive it today? Maybe you don't have never heard this truth before. Maybe you've heard it, but you've never actually received it. You were too afraid. I invite you today to say yes to re simply receive what the Father is so longing to give you. 
his unconditional love, his forgiveness. Put your trust in the one and only God, the Lord Jesus Christ, who broke the power of sin on the cross to set you free so he could walk with you and talk with you and love on you and live through you. If you will pray this prayer with me this morning, I'm going to ask that you bow your heads. And if this is your heart this morning, you pray this prayer. You say yes to Jesus this morning. Lord Jesus, thank you for coming to earth for me, to die on the cross for me, to take away the power of sin over my life. I ask you to take my life. I put my trust in you. I come into my life, Lord Jesus. I receive your love. Amen. If you prayed that prayer and you, you want to know Jesus, you want to follow him, I want you to come down after the service is done. Pastor Dave and I and others will be down here. We want to pray with you, encourage you, and give you a Bible. If this is your heart's prayer this morning that you receive God's love, you don't leave this room without knowing for sure you've got his love. Let us pray with you and give you a gift. You know, if you're a follower of Christ and you're still trying to earn God's love, stop it already. Stop it. You need to relax. You see, you can't do anything to make him love you more. That stuff just gets in the way of your ability to worship. It's his work. It's not yours. You can't achieve it. I encourage you to ask him to show you. If you have not experienced his love, just ask him, Jesus, please show me that you love me. Help me to receive your love. Ask him daily. Don't ask him once. Keep asking him. But can you just listen to this? Sometimes God has to do a work on us. He's got to remove things in our heart, our anger, our disappointment, some of the things that we build up. Even though we're a follower of Christ, you've got to let God do a work in your heart. You need to practice confession. Remember Pastor John was talking about that? You practice confession. You go to the living King, Jesus, and ask for forgiveness. You keep a clean slate. You just keep confessing. You come to the elders and to the pastors. You pray with one another. And I'll tell you, you will, those things will be removed from you, and you will have such greater joy in worship. Spend time with Jesus. Would you stand with me as I pray for you this morning? Father, we thank you for your great love for us. Jesus, we thank you for your willingness to demonstrate your love by coming to the cross, by giving up your life for us. Holy Spirit, please fill us. Help us to know and live lives of worship in response to your great love. It's all about you, Jesus. It's all about you.